The message you're listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach for the 2018 New Year's Conference. More information about New Year's Conference can be found at newyearsconference.com. My name is Mike Parrott. I am the Regional Director for Campus Outreach St. Louis. And so if, if you didn't realize that you were in Walking by Faith or wanted something else, my feelings won't be hurt. You, y'all can head out. Uh, we'll just awkwardly look at you as you walk away uh, playing. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm excited that you guys are, are here um, tonight. I actually grew up in Indianapolis, so I'm originally from here, uh, about 20 minutes west of, of Indianapolis. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you're like me, but when I was in high school, I liked to do a lot of dumb stuff. Uh, I like to just, you know, you know, if you know me, you know I like to have a good time. In high school, I was a lot less restrained now that I have two kids. Uh, but one thing my friends and I liked to do when we were in high school is to go cliff jumping. Has anybody ever been, ever been cliff jumping in here? It's a good time. Uh, but there's, a, there's a, a cliff jumping place about 20 minutes south of here uh, where the highest cliff is a little over like 52 feet something like that and so my friends and I uh, what we would do is we would uh, go to this place and we went there fairly often uh, but the first time we got there we had parked and when we when we parked we began to see kind of the places you could jump off the cliff all to the side and so it's kind of like a hike up to the tallest point and you know being kind of arrogant and a high school kid we were like we're going to the highest one at first because everyone else you know, the other ones, like, will just kind of fall in line after that. And so we literally are hiking, and I'm kind of making my way behind all my friends. And literally, I see them as they're walking, and if this is the end where you jump off the cliff, they get up to it, and they're like, oh, no, we're not doing that. They start to walk back down. But me, I'm, like, walking far enough behind them that I get in my head, it's like, I'm just going to sprint through them and jump off and not even look. So I'm like taking off my shirt, my shoes, and as they're like doing this and turning around, I bust through them and jump over the cliff. And I don't, you know, if you haven't been cliff jumping, especially from a high point, it's not like you jump from a high dive and you just kind of hit. It's you jump and then you have time to think about the foolish decision you just made, (laughs) right? Um, And that's what happened. I jumped and I thought this was a foolish foolish decision, right? Um, And the reason I start with that story is because oftentimes when we talk about faith or we talk about walking by faith, illustrations or language we use is kind of like you're just taking a risk and leaping into the unknown. Uh, We often talk about faith or, or belief or living by faith, whatever it is, it's just, it's uncertain. You're just kind of hoping for the best. Or hoping that God will kind of deliver. And what I want to do today is give you a more robust view of walking by faith. Is there uncertainty? Absolutely. But is it blind? Is it ultimately uncertain? Absolutely not. I want to give you a more robust view of walking by faith because I think as you begin to understand what it means to walk by faith, it'll give you a more rich life experience deeply satisfying walk with God. And so um, I think to start, though, what I would say is that a good baseline for us to start is to realize that when we use the term walking by faith, although it may have uh, spiritual connotations or maybe kind of like the Christian phrase or buzzword, 
I would, I would say, uh, and I think hopefully we all can agree that a baseline place to start is that walking by faith isn't reserved to just Christianity. That we walk by faith um, in a lot of areas of life. That, that I would say that walking by faith is actually just fundamental to the human experience. It. Walking by faith is just what it means to be human. And that's because life is full of risk, right? Um, you know, sometimes when I use the word risk, you think, okay, it's those big moments in my life. There's risks all the time. They oftentimes just don't feel like risks, right? So it's, it's the time where you may put yourself out there to a guy or a girl, and it doesn't really feel like it's a risk because you're going to ask them out, but you know it's a you know it's in the bag because you know they're digging, right? their friend, or maybe they, they you know, DM'd you or something, like, you know it's a sure thing when I ask this guy or girl, when, this, when I ask this girl out, um, because I know they're into me. Other times, walking by faith and, and the felt risk is much more profound. It, it's, what's going to happen to me when I graduate? And, and I'm going to apply for this internship, but I don't know if I'm going to get it. Or I am going to put myself out there and I have no idea what this person's going to say. And so there are times where the, the risk is felt more substantially than the other. So you see, walking by faith isn't just something reserved for Christianity, but it's in all areas of life. So the question today that I, I, I don't want to try to do for us isn't me try to say, all right, let's, let me convince you to walk by faith. I, I, that's not the question we need to ask. I want to say, uh, let's examine how we're walking by faith. Let's actually examine what you're aiming towards. The, the question isn't, uh, do I walk by faith? The question is, is what I'm walking by faith, is my aim actually secure enough? Is what I'm walking by faith towards secure? And here's what I mean. Uh, <coughs> You and I have had times, I imagine even as I say that, you've had times that if we were to sit here and think long enough about where you put yourself out there, where you've done something, where you had a vision of what your life could be like, or this relationship could be like, or this whatever could be like, and you put yourself out there. And maybe it didn't go the way you thought. Right? Maybe you put yourself out there and it completely bombed. Or maybe you've got it, but it doesn't feel stable enough, right? And so I would say if we were to stop this morning and just examine maybe our feelings of anxiety, maybe depression or anger, or maybe even apathy, where if I were to ask you, or even as I talk about walking by faith, you're like, man, I'm just living in the, in the moment. I would say if we were to just stop and examine that for a little bit, could it be that you're feeling those feelings because what you're hoping for, or what you have, just feels unstable. It, it doesn't feel secure. And so where I want to kind of start a baseline for us tonight is that we're all walking by faith in here today. But what's your aim? Where, where are you going? What, what is that, when, when I say that, that goal of your life, that you're aiming towards... And, and here's why I think the Christian life is different. 
Because is there uncertainty in the Christian life? Absolutely. Is there risk? Yes. But we know where the story is heading. The, the difference of the Christian walking by faith is that the end is secure. The aim of the Christian life is secure. Maybe to put it a, a different way, where this is all going is sure. If you're in here and you're in Christ, maybe to draw it a little personal to you is that your story, the end of it, is, is, is true. It, it's certain. There's, it's written in stone. We know how the story ends. That's what makes Christian life different. There's no uncertainty in the regard of, of the ultimate aim for us. So the question for us is, how do we walk by faith? Then? What, what does it mean for us as Christians to walk by faith? So what I want to do this, this morning briefly is define what it means to walk by faith and then play it out for us in the Christian life. And so if you have a pen and you're wanting to take notes, I'll go slow through this definition. But here's how I would define walking by faith. Walking by faith for a Christian is looking ahead while risking in the present. So walking by faith for the Christian is looking ahead while risking in the present because God has secured what He promised. Walking by faith for the Christian is looking ahead while risking in the present because God has secured what He has promised. But before I uh, jump in a little bit more, uh, I'd love to kind of open up our time, or continue our time, by just God praying and meeting us in this time that His, His promises would be open and opening our eyes. And so if you would, if I'd just love to pray for us um, quickly before we kind of go on any further. <clears throat> so God, I do pray for our time this morning. God, I pray uh, that you would meet us. God, I'm sure as we're even entering this conversation of walking by faith, there are probably circumstances after circumstances after circumstances that are coming to our mind where you're just calling us to trust you. So God, I pray that you would you would meet us in this room. <clears throat> and that God, you would show us that, that our future is secure. And it, it would change the way we live today. Let's pray this in the name of Jesus. Um, so what I'm going to do real briefly is, is look at a chapter in the Bible found in the book of Hebrews. So if you have your Bibles or have a tablet or a phone or an iPhone or, you know, whatever knockoff other smartphone you may have, uh, pull it out, turn it on. Uh, the book of Hebrews is seven books back from the end. So if, you, if you're going from the end, if you hit James, you've gone too far. If you have James, your Hebrews is the next book. So flip to Hebrews. We're going to go through Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to look at some verses in chapter 11. And uh, while we're not going to look at it in its entirety, what I would encourage you to do is to read this whole chapter. Man, Hebrews 11 gets into like the nitty-gritty of what it means to walk by faith in, in, the, in your daily life. And it's a great, great verse, or a great, great chapter. And it tells you kind of how faith plays out. 
So uh, before we look at Hebrews 11, I want to give you some context of the book of Hebrews because I think if we look at the context, it's going to flavor the chapter that we're going to read a whole lot more. Um, so the book of Hebrews is written to Hebrews, which are Jews. We don't really know the author. A lot of people think it's Peter. I think it's Peter. Um, but the book of Hebrews was written to the Jews because at that time, uh, what was happening is as Jews were becoming Christians, primarily around Jerusalem, they would, becoming, they would become Christians, and they begin to kind of like uh, create like a, a dysfunction in society. Or they would create a hiccup in society. Because what would happen is these people would begin to become Christians, and then all the Jews around them would say, hey, you're, you're living different than, than the customs or the culture that we, we're accustomed to or that we value. So you're eating differently. You're worshiping differently. You're hanging out with different people now that you're Christians. That, that's not how we do it in our culture. And so what was happening to these Jewish Christians is they were becoming Christians. They were experiencing the pressures of their society and culture to conform back to their, their Jewish nationality. And they were applying this pressure by kicking them out of the temple. The temple that day, you know, you, you guys probably know if, if you grow up in church context, it's not just you're going to worship. There's a whole kind of like culture that's created in community. So they were getting kicked out of that, but they were just getting kicked out of worshiping. They were getting kicked out of their community. And not only that, their, their property and their houses were being snagged too. And so what, what's happened to these Jewish Christians is they're, they're being forced to try to go back to their Jewish ways. And uh, the writer of Hebrews is telling them and trying to encourage them I mean, just to stay firm. And, and maybe you feel that pressure too. Maybe you're in a situation where you're, you've come to Christ your life begins to look different. You start to act differently, and maybe your family or your close friends start acting. Why are you? Why are you being so weird? Why are you doing this? Why do you want to go to this conference? Why do you want? Why are you making the decisions the way that you are? So pressure begins to begins to be pressed onto you. And you and I can imagine it. If a pressure that intense for us, there's there's a good point where you're left asking, and should I go back? It'd be a whole lot easier if I went back to the way things were. Or maybe even in the midst of pressure, we think, uh, maybe I got it wrong. Maybe I'm the one wrong if everyone else here is saying this and that I should act this way. And what the author of Hebrews is telling them is saying, man, stay firm. Hebrews 9, 24, you don't have to look it up, but it's a great verse to memorize. It says, he is the mediator that the peacemaker of this new promise to give inheritance to those he's called. So the writer is saying, listen, that Jesus is going to give you the promise. Don't, don't go back. To go back to your old life is to return to a life without hope. But stand firm. That, that Jesus is your hope. And so um, he kind of walks through that, and then we get to chapter 11. And then what he does is he said, okay, I've encouraged you to stand firm. Now in chapter 11, I'm going to tell you, how do you live out this Christian life? How do you walk by faith in the midst of hard circumstances? 
Well, look with me at Hebrews. Actually, we're going to look a verse above Hebrews. So look with me, Hebrews 10, 39 through 11, uh, 1. So here's what it says. It says, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. So because of Jesus, we're not, we're not going to shrink back. We're not going to be destroyed. But we're those who have faith and preserve their souls. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So where does he start? Okay, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you how to walk by faith. Where does he start? Well, he actually starts by defining what faith is. Don't shrink back. Have faith. Now, if I were to ask you in this room, how would you define faith? Would you define it as a uh, assent to, like, a, just knowledge of facts? Would you define uh, faith based on kind of trust or belief? Well, here, the author of Hebrews, what's his explanation? He doesn't define faith. If you look at, look at a level one, he doesn't define faith on like, here's this concrete definition of faith, he actually defines faith by showing you the way it operates. So he doesn't say, here's what faith is, blank definition. He says, no, I'm going to show you what faith is by the way it operates. Here's how you can know if you have faith. It's kind of what he's doing. You see, where he starts, he says... um, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. So he's saying faith is a substance. It's an assurance for, for you. Faith, uh, it, it's, a, it's a steady confidence. The crazy thing is if you were to look in the original language, the assurance of things hoped for is actually the language they give to people when they give them the deed of their house. So he's saying faith is like, Faith is, is, is the hope or the confidence you have when you receive the deed of the home. It's, 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 a, a, it's tangible. You can touch it. You can feel it. But not only that, it's not just the hope of, of wishful thinking. It's not that, man, I hope this happens. It's the hope of assurance. It's the hope that you have that a future is is. It's actually going to happen, but it's not yet present and visible. It's, um, yeah, and so faith is also evidence. Uh, it's the conviction that uh, we do not, that we can't see yet. So, so it's, it's, it's not the, just the assurance, it's the conviction that I actually know God's Maybe that's happened to you in this room sometime this year or the last few years. That you move from just kind of knowing God is real to like knowing God is real. Make sense? It's, it's, the, it's the moving from uh, just believing in God to believing God. That's the language he's using here of faith. And so when we talk about faith here and, and we start uh, examining what does it mean to walk by faith, I think it's helpful to examine and ask the question, what is actual faith? Like, what, what does it mean? And faith is, is being able 
to see the invisible. The, the, the invisible has actually become visible to you. That we've moved beyond just kind of uh, our sensing experience. There, there's a new spiritual reality that we can see. That, that, that's faith here in this context that he's talking about. Um, but I think uh, it's not just faith. The question then we need to ask is, what is their faith in? So if that's faith, I think the question for us is, what is their faith in? Well, their faith is in the fact that God has broken into the story. So it's a, little, it's a lot of what he's been saying here. It's the fact that I have faith that God himself has broken into the story and accomplished what he said he was going to do. That in the person of Jesus, what has happened is that God wrote himself into the story and that now what he accomplished on the cross is he's made a relationship with me, with me and God possible, but he's also restoring things in the world. He, he, he's making things right. So you can imagine how this speaks to those people in that context. Imagine if you're a Hebrew in Jerusalem hearing this. Your property gets snatched. Your family leaves you out in the street. Where are you going to go? Where he's telling you is, hey, don't don't go back because you know how things are going to end. Remember, God God came in the person of Jesus, and he's going to make all things right. That's what your faith is in. And so the question is, is why, why then is that so important? So we, we have faith, um, but why is this so important? I would say because God has secured what he has promised, it tremendously influences the way you live your daily life. So because God has secured what he has promised, it'll invade in your present life. A good illustration, a way to see this is we just had Christmas, right? Um, I don't know if you're like me. <laughs> My wife actually tells me that. Uh, I still get characterized by this for somehow, but for a long time, I would like sneak in my family's house and find my presents before they actually gave it to me. Um, I was like a master at doing this. I had, my parents had like a letter opener, and so my mom would wrap the gifts, and I would use the letter opener to like, uh, undo the, you know, the, where the tape comes and wraps the gift. And I would see what I got, and then I could like put another piece of tape, masking tape over, like perfectly fit over so no one knew that I had cut it open. <laughs> Uh, but one year I found out, and this is totally going to date me, but I found out, and I found in my mom's closet actually, that I had got one of those slide phones that had the keyboard on it. You know what I'm talking about? You don't even have those, or those two? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Man, that was like my third phone. So, um, yeah, because I had those like, uh, like huge brick phones, like the Nokia brick phones. And I saw that in my mom's closet, and I was like, yes. I'm a, like, this is going to be awesome. And I could play, could play like a ringtone. Like this was a big deal year. Favorite song as your ringtone. And so I got that and I was like, I cannot wait. And what I began to see is that over the next couple, like the next few days before Christmas, I kept thinking about that phone I was going to get. Because I was so excited. And I would say what, what happened is I knew that future promise of that phone was coming to me. And I was so excited about it. 
And, but think about now the Christian realm. If we can transfer that, the future reality that God one day will make the world right. That, you, that if you're in Christ, you will taste a world and feel a world without sin. Like, think about that reality. Would your mind not look ahead to that? You see it here in Hebrews 11. If you go to Hebrews 11, um, 7 actually, it tells the story of Noah. It says, By faith, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. Um, by faith, Noah, uh, sorry, I was going to say that. Uh, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, and reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. So what happened here with the story of Noah? Well, think back. What did God do? God came to Noah and said, Noah, in the future, there's going to come judgment. In the future, I'm going to flood the earth. But what am I going to tell you to do? Build an ark. Future reality coming to bear in his present day life. What did everybody do around Noah? Mocked him, made fun of him, called him an idiot. But what did Noah do? He said, no, I, I, know, I know the God whom I serve, and I know what he's bringing in the no different. That is a, a allude. That is a uh, illustration of what it means for us as Christians. We know the end of the story. A world without sin. A, a world where all brokenness and hurt will be made right. But let me just share this on the other side of that. That all those in Christ and, and even us will one day give an account for our life. What you did last night what you've done on your phone today, what you've done this last semester, all will be brought to light. That, that's the certain future that's ahead. And what this is saying is it's saying that when you understand that, you look ahead to it, but then you're living in the present. So what happens for us as Christians is as we're looking ahead, we know that's true, but then we're left in our present situation and we have to navigate uh, the distance from what the hope is to our present current life. It's the tension. And I'll just encourage you, and this is just a side note, that we often feel this tension. You may be feeling it right now. And we don't know oftentimes what to do with tension. We feel it and we're like, is God ever going to do what he said he's going to do? I have these promises. Why is he me doing what I want? And, and what tension does is tension uh, causes you to run somewhere. And the tension here for a Christian is to cause you to run to God himself. The tension here uh, as Christians is for a relationship. You, you may not be a Christian. Or you may be investigating Christianity or maybe you, you're a young Christian. It's like, why would I choose to live in that? Like, why would I do this? And I would say it's, it's about relationship. Because in the tension, what happens is that you're forced to run to who God is and His character. I'm in this situation. I don't know what's going to happen. It feels bleak. I don't know what I'm going to do. i got to remind myself of who God is and His character. i got to run to Him. It could be easy to go to this or return back to this. God's calling me here. Where, where am I going to run? It's relationship. 
And in that, what you actually find is that your deepest longing for you as a person is relationship. It's it to have someone that can be with you in the tension, in the loneliness. And God satisfies that in the tension. Um, but looking ahead changes what you do in the present. So we've walked through... Uh, because God secured in the present, or in the, because God has secured what he's promised, man, it causes us to look ahead. What else does it cause us to do? It causes us to risk in the present. So we look ahead while we risk in the present. And going back to the Christmas illustration, you know this. You know, is anybody wearing uh, any Christmas gear right now? Who's wearing Christmas gear? Anybody? I am. I'm, I'll be honest, right? It's Okay. Um, you know, okay, at least for me, I knew uh, I want to wear these pants or these socks or whatever at this time. So I'm going to hold off and make sure I can wear this and look really good for these group of people at this point, right? Or I know this girl is going to be here, so I'm going to make sure I wear this at this time. I mean, we do it all the time. It's like, it's, it's not, it's just what we should do. Um, but you know in the future I'm going to do this, so I'm going to hold off on wearing it right now. I'm going to save it and make it so it can look extra crisp and clean and fresh when she sees me, right? And that's the point of the Christian hope now. You look ahead, but it invades, it invades your current life now. You look ahead, but it causes you to risk in the present. Look with me. Uh, you'll see this here. Look with me at Hebrews 11.8. Um, I close the... Um, it says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to, to a place that he was to receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went out to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with, God, or heirs with him of the same promise. So in case you don't know the story, what happens uh, with Abraham is God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. Kings, well, the whole earth will know you, will know, um, will be blessed through you. And then God just doesn't tell him anything else. He just tells him to leave. So he gives him this promise, but doesn't even tell him where he has to go or when he will fulfill the promise. He just says, pack up and leave and I'll kind of be with you and tell you as you go. Um, so Abraham not went out not knowing where he was going. So what does it mean for us? When I say uh, looking ahead while risking the present, what does it mean to risk in the present? Well, risking the present is essentially this. Risking the present is to hear and trust God's word. Or perhaps even better, to trust the God who gives the word. It's to hear and trust the God who gives the word. It's really as simple as this. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. 
And so to say it again, and hopefully you're feeling this, is, is to live in this world where we're not living by sensing experiences. It's, it's to um, not live by what we can see and feel and touch, uh, but to be guided on the basis of God's promises and His wisdom. It's to be preoccupied by a whole other world. That, that's what it means to risk. So as I'm saying this, you may think, uh, how do I do that? And this sounds really nice, um, but how do I actually carry this out into today? And uh, what I would just say is, is what this actually first probably does is it poses a challenge to you and I. Because at least for me, one of the primary reasons I often don't walk by faith is I don't know what God promises. It's, it's very seldom, uh, I don't know the details, I don't have the right information. It's, those are usually excuses to the fact that you know, I'm just unaware of what God's promising that is better than, than what I'm seeing and feeling and touching right now. And so what I thought we'd do real briefly is just look at three of God's promises um, and allow you to kind of engage with those yourself. And so the first promise, so what we'll do is we'll look at each promise and it'll give you kind of time to examine how does it mean, how does this speak into my own life? And so look with me at John 1.12. Some of you guys may know this, but John <clears throat> chapter 1, verse 12. And here's what it says says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So the promise here is security. God has God is your father. You have security in him. You, you uh, don't have to live in anxiety or fear anymore. So I'd love to just give you a few moments. Man, if how you as you read this or hear that, how does that maybe speak in some current situations that you may find yourself in right now? So maybe think through that for the next moment or so. We'll keep going because I got to move on. Um, if you have a, you want it, it's uh, go to Matthew six thirty three with me. Matthew's the first gospel. Some of you guys may know this verse. Matthew six thirty three. And 34 says this, uh, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow 
about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I, I can walk, you know, that when we read that, oftentimes what we think is I just need to seek the kingdom. Like that's what God's saying. That's part of what he's saying, but it's also drawing you to why you can walk by faith. I can walk by faith because I serve a generous God who isn't just wanting to take, 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 but a God who wants to give. Seek first the kingdom because he wants to add to you. He wants to give you all. How does that maybe speak to your current life today? Um, last one, sir, turn with me to Psalm 34, 18. So the Psalms is kind of like almost in the middle of your Bible. Um, last one we're going to look at. And then we'll kind of close it up. Um, 30 Psalm, if I said 34, I think I said, did I say 34? Awesome. 34, 18, here's what it says. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, saves the crushed in spirit. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, saves the crushed in spirit. It's the promises of His presence. God's present. I'm imagining in a room uh, with, this, with this many people, some of us just didn't have great Christmases. Family, friends, situations, just things didn't go the way you wanted. Or maybe just the semester hasn't gone the way you wanted. But to know that God's present with you. And he, he's, he's near the brokenhearted. He saves the crushed in spirit. How, how does that speak into maybe something even you're feeling today? I know that wasn't a ton of time. I hope it was a little bit of helpful reflection um, just on how the, the promises of God meet you in current day and the present of life right now. Um, I, I just want to close with this quick thought for you guys is that um, looking ahead while risking the present, we do it because God has secured what He has promised. And when we hear walking by faith or the promises of God, often what I've noticed uh, in my own life and kind of in our circles is we kind of treat it like a formula. God, I'll, I'll believe your promise. I'll claim your promise here. So I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. I'll do even what I think you want me to do. So I'll do this now, here. Uh, but then we do it and then we kind of don't get the result we want. And then we're left feeling angry and bitter sometimes because it's like, God, I, I've, I've done what you wanted me to. Why aren't you doing what you promised? And I would uh, just press into that a little bit. Um, and you don't have to, I know some of you guys put your Bibles away, but it's just this last section. And you can listen to what, as I read this, but Hebrews 11 and it's verses 13 through 16. So if you want to look at this later, go ahead. The Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. So God, he has us walked through basically all the way until uh, Abraham. And uh, here's, here's what the author says. He says, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak, for people who act this way 
make it clear they are seeking a homeland. They are seeking somewhere to dwell. They had been thinking of that land from which they had the opportunity, uh, from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. Listen to this with me. But as it is, they desired a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. So, so this ultimately, when I, when I would want to press in, if you feel like that's you, is just to ask, where are the promises of God heading? It's to God himself. The, the, these people didn't receive the fullness of what God had promised them. At least at first. They were, but at the same time, what the author says is they were looking for a heavenly. They were looking at God. So they got what they had promised. God will accomplish what he's promised. And so uh, what happens here is actually the most amazing thing is that this author is so audacious to claim that when God looks at these people like Abraham and the people that lived in line of the promise, he says, God is not ashamed to be called their God. That they lived a life pleasing to him. And I think as a Christian, that's our heart. That God would look on your life and say, I'm not ashamed to be called his or her God. Look at the way they're living. That they are living like I'm actually their God and they trust me. They, and then I give them what I promised. And so I would just encourage you as you think about that to know as you navigate this tension or walk by faith to know that God's speaking this over you. I'm not to be ashamed to be called your God. So let me pray for us briefly and then you all can head out. Father, thank you so much for your promises and your word. God, I pray that they would uh, that they would ring deep into our soul. That we would trust them, that we would treasure them, and that we would know that they are ultimately what satisfies us deeply. So I pray for everyone in this room that you would engage with us wherever we're at. God, thank you for this time. Pray this in the name of Jesus and your glory. Amen. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at newyearsconference.com.